from National Public Radio with us, Click and Clack, the Tapper Brothers, and we're broadcasting this week from the Department of Sincere Gratitude here at Car Talk Plaza. Yeah, and the grateful one in this case is a listener named George McDermott. He wrote to us the following. Dear Click and Clack, six years ago, I answered a question on your website which asked, if I were a car, what make and model would I be? To make a long story short, a wonderful girl from Shreveport, Louisiana, emailed me through your site. We fell in love and have now decided to get married. Nice, huh? Congratulations. That, that's great. Congratulations to both of you. Yeah, uh, well, hang on, hang on. Uh-huh. We haven't gotten to the gratitude yet. Oh, okay. Inasmuch as you two are responsible for our future together, we feel it is only fair that we invite you to our wedding which will be held in Palm Beach next month. Oh, uh, that's very nice wow. of them, but, but I, I, I'm kind of tied up. I have plumbers coming, I think, that morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait, there's more. Uh-huh. We would be most delighted if you two would honor us with your presence. Mm-hmm. Please RSVP on the back of a 32-inch Sony Bravia LCD TV. <laughs> With 7,000 to 1 dynamic contrast ratio, Bravia engine, full digital video processing, and built-in NTSC and ATSC slash QAM tuners. (laughs) Sincerely, sort of, George McDermott, Jupiter, Florida. (laughs) That's gratitude, huh? Wow. I thought that was brilliant. <laughs> I wonder if he's really getting married. <laughs> he just made the whole thing up. Who knows? <laughs> if you have a question about your car or your wedding invitations, give us a call at eight 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 Car Talk. That's eight 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 two two seven. We deserved it. We deserved it. <laughs> <laughs> we indeed did. Eight, what, what's the number? Eight 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 two two seven eight two five five. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hey guys, this is Dan from Fort Collins. How are you? Great, great. What's going on? Good here. I was listening to your letter. If you guys end up going to that wedding, you should be in charge of the getaway car, don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) Who do you think is going to want to get away? (laughs) (laughs) Good point. So, hey, I've got this uh, Altima, Nissan Altima. It's an 03, so it's pretty new. And uh, I've been having some heater problems. Uh, So what happens is uh, on a cold day, I'll be driving along. And as long as I have the RPMs up to 2,500 or 3,000, I'm getting some nice warm air. Well, as soon as I get to a stop sign or uh, stop the car at all, I get the nice cold air coming out from the outside somehow. So as long as you, as long as the thing is honking along at good speed, you're, you're getting heat. Yeah, or if I stop at a stop sign and I want heat, I can floor it. Right, 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 for a right. little bit. Yeah. yeah. And and does the heat, I mean, without being precise, does the heat seem to go to stone cold? When when you when you stopped at a light, yeah. How, how many miles are on this car? Seventy-five thousand. Seventy-five thousand. Practically you, brand new. It is. Uh, however, uh, have you ever done anything like flush the cooling system? I haven't flushed the cooling system yet. Oh, you might want to try. Have you taken it to anyone to have them look at this? No, I'm being kind of, of stubborn. Not. He's waiting for this for the winter to end. <laughs> He's waiting. For then the, he'll have it checked out. Waiting for the free advice. <laughs> Well, if, if you're getting proper heat at high RPM, then it's probably not the thermostat. No. Although okay. it certainly could be, and, and that's easy enough to check. It probably has to do with the circulation. Right. Exactly. And my guess is that maybe you have a restricted heater core. Okay. Perhaps you have some air in the system. Like a bubble. Like a bubble. Like a bubble. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. And what, if you have a bubble, what do you do? You put the car inside and burp it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we do at the shop. <laughs> but, but you most likely have either a restriction someplace, either in the heater control valve, which may not be opening up all the way. And if that were the case, that would simulate having a plugged-up heater core. Yeah. In other words, if the heater control valve is just like a faucet, if you open it up just a little bit and you don't have a lot of push, then what's going to happen is you're not going to get enough flow through the heater to give you 
heat unless you really have the engine running very fast because that makes the water pump turn faster. How long has it been doing this, whatever it's doing? It started about two years ago, and um, it wasn't as bad as it is now before. It's getting so worse. It seems to have gotten worse over the last couple of winters. So so have you been stocking up on Bronco Nagurski long underwear or what? <laughs> Uh, I've, I've been trying to find a little space heater I can put in there, but they don't make them for cars. <laughs> well, I, I think the remedy, I mean, the first thing you ought to do is take it someplace, let them check the thermostat, make sure that that's functioning correctly, and then if that's okay, they should start looking at possibly a plugged heater core. And the easiest thing to do is to take the hoses off the heater core and blow it out and see if there's enough crud in there to uh, inhibit the flow. Okay, well, we'll get it checked out. Now, is that something that the shop's probably going to have to do? I can't. I'm a kind of do-it-yourselfer, so well, I mean, a pretty if, big project. If you wanted, no, no. If you if you wanted to, uh, well, you don't have compressed air, do you? I do. This, oh, I was going to say this you, would be a great opportunity to go out and buy yourself. <laughs> go to Sears and buy yourself a, a $300 compressor. <laughs> but if you already have one, then what you could do is take the two hoses off the heater core, you know, where they go in at the firewall, uh-huh. and you can blow into the heater, you know, in both directions with compressed air and see how much rust comes out. Okay. If you start getting a lot of rust out, I would bet you that the, what's wrong is that the heater core has insided an insulating layer of rust. So that that's when I would try that, and I would try changing the thermostat. That's pretty easy on that car as well. Okay. So do that. Blow out the heater core and call us in the morning. Great. <laughs> See you, Dan. Hey, thanks, guys. All right. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Good luck, man. All right, bye-bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hey, guys. Hi, who's this? This is Richard. Where are you from, Richard? Oh, uh, we're from Opelika, Alabama. Alabama. What's the, what's the town again? again? Why are you yelling, by the way? Uh, I don't know, just so you can hear me. <laughs> well, he's far away. <laughs> and we yell. So what's up? Well, I got a 1992 Lexus 400. Huh. I've had it since it was born. Yeah. And my only problem I've had with it here recently is power steering. Ah. And I had a, apparently a leak. And I took it to a dealer, and he couldn't find the leak, so we kept putting power steering fluid in it, which I thought was a reasonable solution since it only cost $2.95 for power steering fluid. Mm-hmm. I continued to do this. For 22 so, years. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's cost me $10,000 in power steering fluid. <laughs> well, anyway, I've been doing this for about oh, four months. And, and you never see anything on, on mm-hmm. the ground? Uh, no. But I did see all kind of fluid up under the chassis. They they showed, you know showed that. Right. Oh, they did see that. Yeah. So anyway, the bottom line to this long story is that now I continue to put fluid in it, but it doesn't work anymore. Oh. Ah. So you probably need to re- well you, from all the times that you've run out, and I sus- I suspect you've run out a few times. But I assume, or either it's gotten real bubbly on the inside right. of the cylinder. You probably croaked the pump. Ooh. Yeah. Nope. Yeah you, yeah. yeah, you burned out the pump because the the lubricant for the pump, get this, is the power steering fluid. And when you run out of power steering fluid, you got no more lubricant left, and you wreck things. Mm. Yeah, so at the very least, I'm, I'm guessing you need a pump at this point. Which is good, because that's what's leaking. Well, it's got <laughs> over 350,000 miles on it. Ah. Oh, that, that explains your reluctance to fix anything. <laughs> well, I mean, but I love it. I mean, it, it's nothing else has gone wrong with this vehicle. Yeah, yeah. No, it's no, a, it's a right. wonderful car, isn't it? I believe it is. I, I, they tell me the Japanese make excellent cars. Well, you know that. I mean, you can't name too many other cars that you would have 350,000 miles on and, and still have the original power steering pump in. Right. It, I have the original everything in. Yeah. I've never changed the spark plugs. On the other hand, <laughs> you could... You, you never changed the spark plugs? I've never changed the spark plugs. That's a true story. Well, here's, you could argue this. This could be a slippery slope now. You yeah. change one part. And the whole thing's going to fall apart. And every other part's going to get envious. Yeah. Well, see, that's why I called you guys, because I was really concerned about whether I should do anything other than just be a little harder on the steering. Yeah, geez, now I'm starting you to rethink this. put a this. brand new pump in there. Here's what you do. I got it. Pretty a, soon you'll... A used pump. Okay. Oh. You 
you put a used... You go to the junkyard and get one. Exactly. You want you don't want a new one. You don't want one that's even a hundred thousand miles old. You want one that's been through the war. Absolutely. You want you want a clunker. In fact, buy two or three of them. If you buy two or three, one of them leaks, you take it out, put another one in. <laughs> Just keep going until it stops but, leaking. But I, at this juncture, I would I would be very very afraid to introduce any brand new parts because oh, yes. you could start an avalanche of envy. I believe you're absolutely right. That was my concern. I, I couldn't come up with any reason why I should fix it when nothing else is broken. And I would do it at night when the other parts are sleeping. <laughs> Richard, you're a nut, but keep driving, man. And don't change the plugs. Why bother now? Thanks. Richard, we wish you the very best of luck. Thanks okay. for your call. See you, later. Right. See you later. 888-CARD-TALK. 350,000 miles. Well, that's a testimony to what a fine car that was the day it rolled off the assembly line. Yeah. Richard hasn't done a damn thing to it since then. But Why can't Ford? Well, they, they can. We see plenty of I old... challenge anyone who has a Ford, a Chevy, or a Chrysler with 350,000 miles on it to write to me. Would you take two fifty? I want three fifty. You ain't getting it. How about two seventy five? Eight eight eight. Don't ask for people to send in testimonials. You will regret it. They'll all lie to me anyway. No, I know. No, you have to get documentation. Eight 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 Car Talk. That's eight 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 two two seven eighty two fifty five. Hello, you're on Car Talk. Hi, I'm Jane Hansen. Hi, Jane. Hi, Jane. I live in Asshole, Idaho. Where? <laughs> you I live. know, I know. I get that all the time, kiddos. It's um, spelled A-T-H-O-L, and you have to enunciate very carefully. You certainly do. And think, and you got to have a hope you don't have a lisp. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know, I swear. Because if you have a lisp, you can't live there. <laughs> and, and strangely enough, it's named for a town in Scotland. It, actually, we have... Well, we, we, we have... We, we have, have a, one of those in Massachusetts. We have an asshole in Massachusetts, yes. too. He's, he's sitting next to me. <laughs> That's funny. He's sitting next to me, too. <laughs> anyway, kiddos, I got a problem with my car. Uh huh. I have a 2003 Taurus, and it's got um, only 69,000 miles on it. And it has an automatic transmission. And I've just recently been having trouble with my passing gear. I guess you call it the overdrive. Well, no, no we don't. Over, no, pa passing gear is third gear. Overdrive is fourth gear in this car. Okay, fourth gear. But when I punch it to pass these monster Dodge pick-em-up trucks, which everybody drives. Yeah. Um, she'll she sputters. She's um. Well, I don't know if it's sputtering. It's. I thought maybe I had bad gasoline in the tank or something. So let me get this right. You're driving along, and. You want to pass some big truck or something, so you right. really stomp on the gas pedal. And it will downshift right. when you do that. It will go from high gear, which is overdrive, to third right. gear. Down to third gear. Yeah, if you stomp on that and pedal, you, you will take absolutely... off. You should It will downshift, and the thing should accelerate, and so should the engine RPMs go way up. Yeah, it should take off like a rocket. Well, what, well what, you're, I... you're driving a, an old 3 Taurus. There's, <laughs> there's no rocketry going on here. So what really happens? You stomp on the pedal and... And she sputters, coughs, and doesn't want to do it. Now, when I'm just going along normally and I just apply the accelerator not like a lead foot, it goes up through the gears just fine. It just misbehaves when I, I want to pretend I'm a stock car racer. Right, and it's misbehaving because that's when you're putting the greatest demand on the fuel system and the ignition system. And okay. it, if you can't supply enough fuel... When you when you've stomped on the pedal under high load like that, the thing will miss and stutter. But more likely, it's missing and stuttering because you have insufficient spark. You could have a bad coil. You could have a bad spark plug. Okay. You need to take it someplace. I don't know if you want to take it to your Ford dealer or if you're still on speaking terms with your regular mechanic that you had before you bought this well, car. Well, I've been using, while it was under warranty, I was using the Ford dealership, and up until the warranty expired, they were really very nice, and then now all of a sudden they've become sort of distant. And we uh, want wait, to these you. mechanics, are they from Athol also? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they may have to move maybe over they there. Maybe they should be, but you know what I mean. <laughs> now, take it someplace, whether it's the dealer or an independent shop, and tell them that, that you've spoken to someone who 
thinks you have a high-speed miss. A high-speed miss. Yeah, you have a cl- you have a wow. classic high-speed miss, and you know, and they should start looking for the kinds of things that can cause it. And the simplest thing to do, without doing anything exotic, is to take out your spark plugs. You probably never change them, and I'm guessing that you need spark plugs. Because they were saying they wanted to plug it into a machine and charge me they uh, can do an that. amount they... that I was like, wait a well, minute. Well, they can do that too. I mean, fortunately, those those machines do give a lot of information that sometimes saves you a lot of time. Right. So they can hook the machine up, pay the money. It's going to cost you 100 bucks at least. Ouch. And then whatever's wrong with it is going to, to fix that, it's going to cost you even more. I think you need a coil. Oh, why does this always happen in the dead of winter? Well, because it's more fun then. <laughs> anyway, good, oh, yes, it good, is more fun. Good luck, Jane. Thank you guys so much. You take care. Be safe. Be warm. We will. You too. Good luck. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Look, I, I don't want to bring up a touchy subject, but... Uh, do you remember that we had a puzzler last week? Yes, yes, I remember we had a puzzler, and now you want to know if I remember what it was, Well, right? Well, you, yeah, that was my next question, yeah. Well, I don't remember what it was, and I don't think I should have to. I mean, where is the equitable division of labor here? I remembered there was a puzzler. You remember what it was. We're even. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> and while we're divvying up the duties, how about I answer the phone and you answer the questions? <laughs> You're pushing it now. Exactly. <laughs> hey, look, last week's puzzle was a travel saga about getting a flat tire on a deserted road in Mexico. Oh, I remember it. Well, we'll be back with the answer and, of course, all the gory details in just a minute. Now, tell people to stay tuned, will you? Me? You told him to stay tuned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> down at the corner of the 7th and Main, cruising down the road in a blue fair lane. She's not too fast and she's not too slow. Half an hour drive takes an hour or so. The only damn thing that I can afford, a straight 662 two-door Ford. Bondo primer in the cheap blue paint. Keep the window down or you just might faint. She's got no exhaust and she makes a lot of smoke. Gotta keep your hand on the manual show. Hi, we're back. You're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and uh, the answer to last week's puzzler. And mm. A fellow named Andy Jurak from Berkeley Springs, West Virginia, of all places, mm. sent me this story, which I, I then turned into a puzzler, and his story goes something like this. I don't remember exactly why, but some years ago, I was driving my old truck in Baja, California which is the lower part of California that extends into uh, Mexico. You yeah, know? we've been there. I was on one of the loneliest and most godforsaken roads imaginable when, wouldn't you know it, a tire blew out. Mm. And when I looked under the truck for my spare, the darn thing was missing. <laughs> Just when things looked their worst, I looked down that deserted road, and I saw a tire shop. I think they call them the, wow. a llanteria. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Which was manned by what looked like two 14-year-old boys. Anyway, their shop uh, consisted of some pretty sorry-looking uh, tools, you know, sockets and wrenches and a few salvaged lug wrenches that had uh, been flattened into tire irons. And they had some big hammers and, and rocks, but no obvious tire machines. Some mm-hmm. tire shop, eh? Yeah. Well, after a totally amazing show of leverage, they actually removed the flat tire from that 16-inch rim. Then they fashioned a patch from a cut-up inner tube and glued it to the inside of my tire to cover the puncture. And then they wrestled the tire back onto the rim with those primitive tire irons. You with me so far? Yeah, I'm with you. Well, the story gets even better. One of the boys, whose age I had now recalculated to be closer to like 11 (laughs) than 14, poured about a half a cup of gasoline onto the inside of the tire and rolled it around and around a few times. And then to my utter amazement, to he, he flung a lit match in the direction <laughs> of the tire. And in an instant, the explosive force of that mixture of vaporized gas had seated the tire bead completely against the rim. Kaboom! Wow! Usually this is done with a tire machine, but they didn't have one. Oh boy, I thought, I'll be back on the road in no time at all. All we need to do now is fill the tire up with air, right? Yeah. But an uneasy feeling began to creep into me as I realized that I hadn't heard the familiar ticker, 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 ticker of an air compressor the whole time I was there. Of course, I asked about a compressor, 
and the boys told me they had run it out of oil a few months ago and seized it. Mm. Some American had come by and swapped them for a couple of cartons of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> so they gave the whole thing away, and the only thing they had retained was the hose. Great, I thought. They fixed the puncture. They risked all of our lives seeding the bead with that gasoline trick, but now no air. <laughs> no problemo, senor. Me da sus llaves. Let me have your keys, one of them said. Minutes later, and just a few pesos poorer, I was back on the road. The question is, how did they manage to inflate my tire without a compressor? And by the way, it took 60 PSI to inflate that baby, and they did it. How did they do How it? How did they do it? Wow. Well, that's quite a story. <laughs> it is. It, now, how and, much of that was actually sent to you, and how much did you make up? It was one paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> And you turned it into five pages. Well, it was such a good story, and but it wasn't a puzzler either. So I had to. I had it to... is a great story. <laughs> it's a great and, story, and it's. I think it's true. I think it's a true story. And what what they what they did was because they had the hose yeah. and they had the the truck engine, they took out one of the spark plugs, yeah. screwed the hose into one of the cylinders, and started the engine. Mm -hmm. And don't forget, your truck engine or your car engine makes about a hundred and twenty-five or more. PSI, and they inflated it with a mixture of air and gasoline, unfortunately. Yeah. But at least, <laughs> at least they got the tire on the road. That's excellent. And off he went till he had another blowout. Let me just point out to you, yes, that even though I couldn't remember the puzzler, you remember the I answer. I knew the answer as soon as you finished. I remember last you week. said last week. <laughs> I know the answer. I know the answer. <laughs> anyway, do we have a winner? The winner this week is Don Buffalo from Simi Valley, California. And for having his answer selected at random from among all the correct answers that we got, Dawn is going to get a $26 gift certificate to the Shameless Commerce Division at cartalk.com, with which he can get our solid brass, more or less, old-fashioned <laughs> tire gauge with a real classic old-style round pressure dial and a sturdy separate hose. Perfect for letting you know when you need to find a yanteria. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's good. Anyway, we'll have a brand new, much shorter puzzler coming up <laughs> in the third half of the show. But if you have a question for us uh, right now, give us a call. The number is 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hi, guys. This is Kelly from San Antonio. Hi, Kelly. How are Kelly. you? Kelly. I'm doing excellent, thanks. Is, is the Alamo still there? You know what it is, and people still ask why they built the Elmo around downtown. Yeah, well, you know, many years ago. <laughs> I hate, now, I hate to get this. You've started my brother on, on a slippery <laughs> slope. He's going to get himself into a lot of trouble, and I just want to go on record as saying I don't agree with a single thing he's going to tell you. Oh, well, no. <laughs> many, many years ago. Even though he talked me into it once. <laughs> when Davy Crockett, I think, was still alive, I actually lived in San Antonio. And, and, I, and, and I went and visited the Alamo because I was surprised to find out it was right downtown. And I and I thought I said, geez, that's kind of unusual that it's it's right downtown. Oh no! And 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 I remember reading a plaque that said that the Alamo had been moved to make it more accessible to tourists because it was located like twenty miles and brick by brick they moved it. Of course, everyone I've spoken to since has denied this. And I did mention it on the air, and I guess I'm mentioning it on the air again. And I believed him for a brief time. <laughs> I was positive oh, no. they had moved the Alamo. And I even, if I'm not mistaken, confronted the city council. <laughs> and, and we we actually came down there to San Antonio one time for something. We did a live show in Lila Cockrell Auditorium. Oh, that's right. We did. Oh, and wow. one night, we sneaked over to the Alamo. My brother ties a rope around the front door. And we start trying to pull it back. Where it used to be, he said to me. Those Texas Rangers, those Texas Rangers didn't take too kindly. <laughs> there it was, midnight, dark as can be, and we're, there we are with a rope tied to the Alamo, and we got caught. <laughs> anyway. So I'm not believing anything my brother says again. Anyway, do we answer your question, Kelly? What was the question? Well, I have an ongoing dispute with... My fiance, I'm hoping I can get some counseling advice with. Oh. 
Well, I have a 99 Plymouth Breeze. My question is about um, the gas mileage that my car is getting. My fiancé purchased um, one of those seat cover back massagers for the car because we go on long trips from San Antonio up to Iowa where my parents are from. And he plugs it into the um, cigarette lighter and uses it for like four or five hours at a time. And it apparently warms his back and everything that he could ever dream of. Um, and the car gas mileage, I swear, um, gets worse and worse every hour that he uses it. <laughs> well, he's feeling so good, he's driving faster and faster. <laughs> so, oh, so you think that this device is uh -huh. sucking so much power through that skinny little wire. Right. From the cigarette lighter, that it's actually affecting the mileage of your three thousand pound car. Well, I'm hoping you can tell me I'm right. I, really? think, right. I think you're. I think you're right on, Kelly. <laughs> how, how much? How much has it changed the, the gas mileage? Well, you know what I did. I even calculated the figures. It yeah. went from about twenty-two miles a gallon when um, the the massager was running to about twenty-eight miles a gallon when it wasn't running. Are you Are you driving the car when it's not running? Yeah. In, in other words, he's the only one who's using the massager. Does he have it on whether he's the passenger or the driver? No, he just has it on when he's a driver. But to tell you the truth, he drove the whole way from Texas to Iowa. Yeah. So, but see, um, my brother, what my brother's getting at is it's possible that what you're seeing is not the difference between having this thing on and not having it on, but uh -huh. the difference between your driving style and his driving style. Uh -huh. And I'm with my brother all the way on that one. It might be he's a lead foot. He might be zooming away from every stop. He might be driving faster than you, and, and five miles an hour faster, believe it or not, could be the difference between 28 and 22. Oh, really? It yeah. sure could. Because it certainly is not the back massager. It isn't? No. It certainly oh. is not. <laughs> you have to tell me it is. <laughs> no, no, because I mean, that, that thing draws so little power. The you know, engine doesn't even know it. It doesn't even, right. It, it, I'd be surprised if, if it would affect your gas mileage. One mile per gallon. A, a hundredth of a mile a right, gallon. Exactly. You'd really? never see it. You'd never see it. You'd never oh, see it. Oh, no. I had this theory that it put all the strain on the alternator from the battery and, you know, it made the engine work harder. And Kelly, you know, Kelly, it, Kelly. Kelly, stop. You're hanging yourself. <laughs> stop, you, stop. It's getting it embarrassing a, now. It was a great idea, but give it up. <laughs> Don't let him know that you called us. Don't say anything. But no, no, okay. but just continue to beat him up. <laughs> but, but it Drive is... him crazy and see what kind of a husband that's going to give you. Oh, no. <laughs> but, 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 it, but it is him. Okay. I would say okay. I, I feel very comfortable saying it's him. He's the one causing the problem. Okay. Yeah. Well, see, that's that was my, you know, my yeah. stance from the beginning. He's the one causing the problem. He's the one causing the problem, except it's for a different reason. Yeah. Okay. So you're half right. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't his back massager, it's his foot. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I don't know what you can do about this. I, I think the way he drives is the way he drives. Right. Well, wait a minute mm. now. When when you, when you you're driving, when you stop for gasoline, who pays for the gas? He does. Okay, then let him drive any crazy way that he wants <laughs> to. Yeah, as long as he's not endangering anyone, he's good. <laughs> I know. Okay, thanks, guys. Uh, all right, Kelly. Kelly. Lots okay. of luck. Good luck. Everything. See ya. Hey, hey, hey. Wait a minute. Is that going to be a happy marriage? Absolutely. Yeah. Because because she is a wonderful gal. She really is. Yeah. She's got a she got a good attitude so it far. Depends, Twenty-eight oh. miles a gallon. <laughs> it all depends on the woman, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, stay out of that one. Eight 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 car talk. That's eight 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 two two seven eight two five five. Hello, you're on car talk. Hi, this is Vincent in Prospect, Tennessee. Hi, Vincent. How are you? Fabulous, fabulous. But my car isn't. Yeah? Oh. Why not? Well, I got this 93 Jeep Wrangler I inherited from my daughter. And... <laughs> Wait a minute. Doesn't, doesn't the inheritance usually go in the other direction? <laughs> I know, I know. It's like I'm sick of driving this thing and you can have it back? Yeah. Yep, yep. That's what it is. Perfect. <laughs> go ahead, Vincent. Well, when I started this thing up about two weeks ago, I got this real loud exhaust noise coming out of the back of the engine. And then when I started to drive it the first two to five miles, I had to keep the uh, RPMs below 2,000 or it would start to shake. Uh, and then after I go five miles, it, it starts to really shake, lose power, and quit. But if I sit there for about 10 to 15 minutes, I can do it all over again. 
So I'm trying to figure out what's wrong with this thing. How long be, be, since this thing has run before? It's been sitting for about a year, over a year. So it, so it, and you don't know what condition it was in when it stopped running. Uh, oh, you know it wasn't good. Otherwise, you wouldn't have given it up. <laughs> no, you thought I would have given it. To yeah, you. if it was running like a dream, <laughs> you wouldn't have it. That's yeah. probably right. And I'm sure she said to you, "Oh, it's running fine." <laughs> <laughs> what did she get, by the way? Uh, she got a Nissan Altima. Perfect. Really? So let me get this right. You you start the thing up, and and it runs badly. You say in 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 that sort of shaking. You know, it runs fine until you get up to two thousand RPM. That's when it starts to shake. It runs fine, which means that if if you take your foot off the gas, it'll idle smoothly. Yes, but it won't accelerate. Not very fast. Okay, and then and then it stalls. It won't restart immediately. Is that true? Right. How long does it take before you can restart it? Uh, about ten to fifteen minutes. This is a classic case of an exhaust system restriction. Ooh. You've got now Tennessee is known as raccoon country. <laughs> you got a raccoon that crawled up the tailpipe, and he's living in there, or he's dying. No, there ain't there. nothing living in there anymore. But I would be willing to bet that what's happening is you start the thing up, and until you build up enough, I mean, it isn't completely restricted, but it would explain everything. It would explain the inability to restart it until the pressure had a chance to equalize ah, and diminish. Good, good, good. And the back pressure would eventually cause the engine to run rough. And cut out, and then it won't restart until the, the pressure has had a chance to, you know, come down to atmospheric pressure. Oh. What do you think? Great. How do I find the restriction? So you go out to Sears and you buy a Sawzall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you cut this whole system in half. <laughs> well, I would divide and conquer. You divide and conquer. So that way you can look up the front and you can look down the back. <laughs> well, the easiest, the easiest way to do this, actually, is to disconnect the front exhaust pipe and let it Hang, okay. okay. It will be loud as all outdoors. Okay. So Man. don't do don't do it early Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> no, your neighbors will hate you. But but when you drive it, you should be able to drive it as long as you want, and it should have power, and it shouldn't run rough, and it shouldn't misfire, and you'll know then that the blockage is somewhere. Okay. The most likely place probably is the catalytic converter. But the next most likely place is the muffler. So if you're lucky, it's the muffler. So then you can try to disconnect the muffler and see if it runs okay. And if that's the case, you buy yourself a muffler. But, right. uh, you know, you could, if you're going to do this yourself, that's the way to do it. If you took it to a shop, they would probably check the operating temperature of the converter to see if, in fact, it's plugged. But even they might take out the saws off. <laughs> Good luck, Vincent. Thanks. All right. See you later, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, you know, this is a bit hard today. I think it's time for us to take a little break. Yeah. And when we come back, it'll be time for the brand-new Puzzler. I mean, you want to give us a little taste of what's to come here? Well, I, I'm not sure yet. I still have to run the options by my uh, puzzler vetting task force. You know? <laughs> what's that, like physicists from MIT, historians <laughs> from Harvard? They, no, no. They have to look at all the puzzlers? No, no, no. It's 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 by uh, my older grandson. Wh whichever <laughs> one he doesn't put in his mouth, that's the one I used this week. Sure, why not? <laughs> I, I call it the uh, pediatric method. We'll be back with a brand-new puzzler and more of your calls in just a minute, so please stay tuned. Well, just the day, it was a Friday, and I was riding around in my race car, and the wind was whistling through my helmet, and I was feeling all right. In fact, if somebody had said, hey, buddy, are you feeling all right? I would say, yeah, I'm feeling all right, can't you tell? I'm driving a race car. But then suddenly, I noticed things were kind of strange, because the car was going a little bit slower, and the wheels, they were turning slower on the pavement. And I looked up and down, all around, right and left, side to side. And then it hit me where the problem resides. I looked at that gas gauge and what did I see? A surly swollen letter. That letter was E. Empty. Now I remember this thing. Race. Cars. We're back. 
you're listening to Car Talk with us, Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers, and we're here to talk about cars, car repair, and, of course, the new Puzzler. Yeah. And uh, did I say anything about this Puzzler before? Oh, I said it was going to be shorter than... Uh, yes, 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 you did yes. say that. Yeah, well, a little, a little bit. Thank God for that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Hey, you ready? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Last week before the show... That's it. <laughs> Last week before the show, we were discussing, by we, I mean the staff, yeah. uh, Bugsy's car collection. Mm. Now, for the 20-plus years that we've known him, he has regaled us with tales about his Corvette restoration, his 63 Lincoln Continental limo, and lots of other classic oh. cars that we've never seen and that his wife didn't know he owned until today, maybe. Oh, he's been hiding, hiding them. <laughs> I've never seen any of these cars. I've heard the stories, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, anyway, we're sitting there, and Tommy says, he makes the following statement. Bugsy owns 50 cars, maybe even more. Mm. Dougie says, no way. I know for sure that he owns fewer than 50 cars. Mm -hmm. Louis Cronin says, I know he owns at least one car. So we've got three statements. Tommy's statement, number one, Bugsy owns 50 cars, maybe more. Number two statement, Berman saying, Bugsy owns fewer than 50 cars. And statement number three, which is Louis, Bugsy owns at least one car. Now, here's the wrinkle. I'm going to tell you that only one of these statements is true. So you have to figure out which one is true. And then once you figure out which one is true, you have to answer this question. How many cars does Bugsy own? Wow, that's good. Yeah, to the nearest 500, maybe. <laughs> so the question is, how many cars does Bugsy really own? If you think you know the answer, write it on the back of a Speakercraft MCZ88 whole house audio controller <laughs> with two built-in tuners, satellite radio and iPod adapters, eight stereo zones, 50 watts per channel, and eight CTL1433-1WIR receiver backlit remote keypads. <laughs> And mail it along with a qualified installer <laughs> to Puzzler Tower, Car Talk Plaza, Box 3500, Harvard Square, Cambridge. Our Fair City. Map 02238. Or you can email us your answer from cartalk.com. Now, if you have a car question for us, like right now, we're yeah. at 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-8255. Hello, this is Ari calling from Lincoln, Vermont. Hi, Ari. What's going on? A-R-I? A-R-I, that's correct. Lincoln. I don't know. Lincoln, where... Vermont? Where's that? Lincoln, Vermont, it's on the edge of the Green Mountains, probably about uh, 20 miles northeast of Middlebury and about 20 miles uh, southeast of Burlington. Oh, okay. Oh. All right, we know where you are. We know where that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the warm part of the state. <laughs> yeah, oh, right. yeah, we're in the banana belt. <laughs> yeah, banana belt. <laughs> so what's cooking, Ari? Well, uh, my wife and I just bought a, uh, a house, uh, and it's at the end of a really long, uh, steep driveway. And we thought that we ought to buy a, a plow truck uh, so we could get out of our house during the wintertime to get to our jobs. Okay. So I've got this uh, plow truck. It's a, a 19, early 80s uh, Ford F-350. Excellent. And uh, it's, uh, I would never dare take it on the street because it's, uh, it, it's, it's pretty rusted out. Um, but it's got a plow on it. But it's got a plow on it, and it runs, but it runs really rough. And uh, when cares? I say rough, my 18-month-old, who's just learning how to talk, uh, believes that all trucks growl and bark. <laughs> Here's my problem. Uh, the, the driveway's probably about a tenth of a mile. Mm -hmm. And uh, my problem is, uh, the other night when I was plowing the driveway, of course the headlights don't work on this thing. So I've, <laughs> I've got my uh, Petzl headlamp on my head, and I'm uh, hanging the head out the window. And candles. <laughs> and it's, yeah, it's probably about negative uh, 20 degrees with a wind chill. Uh -huh. yeah. And I'm plowing the driveway, and uh, my wife uh, is shouting at me. And she's telling me that uh, there are a series of mini explosions coming uh, that she can see uh, from underneath the truck as I'm plowing. Yeah. Oh, from underneath the truck. Okay. Yeah, underneath okay. the oh, truck. Oh, because there's no exhaust system on it anymore. Uh, probably, well, or not a, much. I could see a tailpipe, but I'm pretty much convinced there's that... There's nothing uh, connected to it. it. Yeah, exactly. And, and what the, she's actually seeing is flashes of light under there? Yeah, it, precisely. Okay, perfect. Precisely. Now, yeah, I'd like to you know, live a little bit longer, at least long enough to see my child grow up and uh, quit college on me. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm, <laughs> quit I, I'm, my, my first question is... Uh, 
you know, am I putting myself in harm's way by operating this truck? What I've tried to do everything I know how to do in order to get it to run a little bit smoother, check out spark plugs, put in carburetor cleaner, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, before I do a, a, any kind of major overhaul, especially in the kind of weather that we're getting up here, I, I was wondering if I could just kind of use this for the rest of the winter. Well, I mean, I would go out and buy a couple of headlights. <laughs> I mean, that would be a nice thing. To, it would be really good to be able to see where you're going. There might be a dog out down there. Who knows? Yeah, that might be a good first step. I'm also wondering, There's a. Uh, it seems to be there's a, a power steering leak. And uh, I'm wondering. Ari, it's a one-hour show. (laughs) (laughs) And we're on the third half hour now. I think we ought to to focus on the fire in the hole. Yeah, I I want to focus on the fire in the hole. And I'm thinking that maybe the power steering fluid is leaking out and igniting something. Wrong. I, uh, I well, that's if, why I'm not a mechanic. Well, I, I think if that were happening, that you wouldn't be calling us now. You would have called the fire department already. But, <laughs> but I, I think what's happening is you have an engine. Uh, you have a crossfire distributor cap. Okay. And yeah. if you have a crossfired cap or crossed wires, even you could be getting explosions because you're getting out the tailpipe or out the exhaust pipe, wherever it happens to be severed. You could be getting explosions because you're igniting gasoline in cylinders whose valves are open. Uh-huh. However, that being said, you're not going to fix any of this now because it's too damn cold. Exactly. I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this is going to be a, a summer project. Exactly. You're sure. going to tough it out for the rest of the winter and hope that you don't set the house on fire. And I'm not going to do any irreparable damage to the truck. You're not going to damage the truck. The truck damage the truck. The truck is tough. <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't worry about the truck. The truck will prevail. So you're not going to hurt the truck in all likelihood. If, if it's something like a skip timing chain, then there's not, you're not going to fix that yourself at Forget all. Forget it, yeah. You know, and it could be. It could be, but it could easily be a bad distributor cap or bad spark plug wires or, or a fouled plug or something. And any of those can cause this problem, although you said you changed the plugs. I, I, no, I, I checked out the plugs and you, they seemed uh, fine, but what, I, didn't what, change, I didn't change the cap and the ooh, wires go into the plugs. When you checked out the plugs, mm-hmm. did the situation get worse afterwards? Uh, no, I, I didn't recognize that there was this problem before I changed the plugs. I just wanted uh, this is in the fall. I wanted to make sure that every that the truck would at least get I'm through the winter. I'm guessing you put the plug wires on wrong. You think so? Yeah, I know so now. <laughs> you had there was this truck was running perfectly well, and you had nothing to do, and you decided to check out the plugs. And then when you did that, you put the damn plug wires on the wrong plugs. No kidding. Yeah, so what you need to do is you need to go... Uh, uh, Here's what you got to do. you got to go online and find no, out... No, not online. you got to you, you gotta go to the nearest mechanic and say, how much would it take to get you to come to my house in the daylight and just take a look at my spark plug wire? Better than that. Better than that. Ask him if, if he can just draw you a picture of the location of the wires on the distributor cap and the firing order. Now, I don't know what it is for an F-350. If you had a GM car, it would tell you it's one eight four three six five seven two, and I could tell you where all the things were located, but I don't yeah, but know what they are. F-350, nobody knows. Well, yeah. somebody does, but I don't. But I don't. But you can find out the firing order, and that every shop has a book. We now have it all on our computer, but we have, every shop has uh, books or some, something on the computer that can show you where the distributor is located, where number one spark plug wire is connected on the distributor, and it also will show you where number one spark plug wire connects You're to on You're asking on, Ari to do Ari can do it. He screwed, Ari. Ari screwed it up. He's <laughs> fixing it. Ari, what do you do for a living? Are you like a doctor? <laughs> I'm a professor. Oh, you're a professor. You are in possession of sufficient intellect. No, 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 no. And I think. What do you teach? What do you teach? I teach psychology. Oh, so he's he's a doctor. My brother is crazy. Forget about any (laughs) diagrams. You want to give someone twenty bucks and let them drive over to your house, open the hood, and say, "Ah, boom." And he's done. Well, that's the easy way, Ari. But that it's, is... it's, it's not the cowboy way. <laughs> As our friend Too Slim would say. <laughs> it's not the cowboy way. It's not the cowboy right. way. And, and if it weren't so darn cold out, I would go, go along with what my brother is saying. But it's five degrees up there if it is. Well, that's why I suggest you wait until spring 
Well, he's got to get the thing so oh. it runs at least. Don't you have a daughter that goes to UVM? She could fix this. No, you could go up and visit her, and you <laughs> could visit Ari. Yeah, come on down. We'll make you dinner. Luckily, she flunked out. <laughs> <laughs> she quit. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> well, look, I, I, you know, you can I, if you want to do it the cowboy way, Ari. Find a repair shop. Ask them to give you a little printout of the, or you can draw yourself a little schematic of the distributor cap and the various cylinders and where they're located, and you'll know where the wires go. You're a smart guy. You you will feel a tremendous sense of accomplishment, and this this will be restorative for your self-esteem <laughs> when you put the wires on right, because I know deep down that you screwed this up. And before your wife hears this show, you can have the truck running like a dream. Good luck, man. Well, thank you very much. See you later. Bye. Bye. 888-CAR-TALK. That's 888-227-82. Hi, this is Meredith, and I'm in Morgantown, West Virginia. What's what's shaking? Uh, I have a 2002 Subaru Impreza. Impreza. Huh. Okay. Yeah. What did you say? Morgantown, West Virginia? That's right. No, I don't, don't bother. I don't even know. I know where West Virginia is barely. <laughs> I know it's well, west it's, of Virginia. It's the other Virginia. It's the other Virginia. Is it the Virginia. northwest of Virginia? Northwest. I've actually been to West Virginia. No, I have. I have too. Why? I, don't, <laughs> I was trying to get to Virginia and I was lost. <laughs> no. And I'm only kidding. Uh, anyway, what's going on, Meredith? Well, it's been really cold here the last whoa, whoa, few whoa, days. Whoa, 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 whoa. What do you mean by really cold? Like 50? Like five. No, yeah, no, it's been cold. Really? Yeah, yeah. West they, Virginia, five? Yeah. So uh, I have a couple of cold weather questions. The yeah. first is I have an, a standard transmission, and when I'm shifting, uh, it makes this awful noise that I'm pretty sure you can hear outside the car, too. And uh, Is it a grinding noise? No, it's a howling noise. Sounds like a like a sea lion. Ooh. Oh, oh, okay. This is after you have shifted. No, it's while the clutch is engaging. Like I put in the the clutch, and while I'm letting it out, it makes this noise. Oh, okay, okay, okay. That's probably your clutch release bearing. Okay. Okay, but uh, go ahead with the second problem. Maybe we can join them together. Yeah, maybe we can economize. <laughs> give you one answer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that they're connected, but when it started to get cold about a month or two ago, um, I started to smell gas in the car mm. and i took it to the dealership and i'm not crazy about the dealership here but uh well anyway they told me it was no big deal and that that happens in the winter time and it was probably just exhaust from the car in front of me but it doesn't smell like exhaust it smells like gas fumes what those guys told you is completely bogus well i thought so well we we have had in the shop of late because we've had the same cold weather We've had a couple of Subarus where the owners have complained about the same smell of gasoline. Oh. And we couldn't find it. So we told them it was probably the car in front of them. And, <laughs> <laughs> no, it isn't the car in front. See? <laughs> I told you. <laughs> well, we read a bulletin from the manufacturer. No, what I, what I think it is, although we haven't been able to prove it, I think one of the injectors is leaking externally or maybe one of the fuel lines that connects to an injector and if a drop of ah. fuel gets on a hot engine that gasoline will get vaporized really quickly and that gasoline vapor will get sucked into your ventilation system and into the passenger compartment so mm. it's it, it's likely that the smell is coming from a leak under the hood and okay. what we did and we unsuccessfully is we left the cars outside overnight uh, regrettably, one of them got stolen, but the other one... <laughs> that the, solved the problem, I guess. That, that that his, yeah, his problem is solved. His problem. <laughs> he went out and bought an Acura. But, but, but the other one, uh, we, we brought it in immediately and started, you know, started up, drove it right into the shop and started sniffing with our emissions tester to see if we could see a, a spike in, uh, in the hydrocarbons reading. And, but that's what you should have done by somebody who's more interested in, in fixing it. And, and, and we found... One of the injectors was leaking. Okay. Do you, you all have a smog test? I, I know you have smog, but but you have a smog test when you when you go for your inspection. I don't know. I'm new here, so. From where? Well, I grew up in California, and I most recently moved from New Jersey. Oh yeah. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> that's very interesting. So are you a, are you a student? Uh, no, I'm a pastor. You're a pastor. I was a student. Oh, okay. well, yes. Well, you've never stopped being a student, I guess. If you moved from California to New Jersey, you had to have some kind of 
special dispensation. <laughs> because if you were a normal person, you wouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, that's what everyone in New Jersey told me. <laughs> well, anyway, to get back to question number one, which is the, yeah. the noise you get when you're releasing the clutch, that sounds like your clutch release bearing I'm is making you. the noise. And that maybe is nothing to worry about. It's okay. going to go but, away when the cold goes but away. But what do you have, like 85,000 miles in this car? 145,000. 145. Oh. Well, it may be time for a new clutch release bearing, and if it is, you put a whole new clutch in. Oh. You know what to do? When you take it to the shop to have them sniff for the uh, for the gas leak, yeah. ask them to test your clutch for wear. So this is an expensive cold snap for me. This is. Yeah, it yeah. could be. This wouldn't be happening if you were living in sunny California. Oh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> good, good luck, Meredith. All right. Thank you. Thanks for your call. Well, it's happened again. You've squandered another perfectly good hour listening to Car Talk. Our esteemed producer is Doug the Subway Fugitive, not a slave to fashion, Bongo Boy Berman. Our associate producers are Louis Cronin the Barbarian and David Gibraltar Green. Our senior web lackey is Doug the Old Gray Mayor. And our engineer is John Cartman Parati. And we had help this week from Aaron Wax and our technical, spiritual, and menu advisor just back from the Lincolnshire Open Fire Chicken Fryer Fresh Papaya and Stolichnaya Lose the Tire is John Bugsy Lawler. <laughs> Our public opinion pollster is Paul Murky of Murky Research, assisted by statistician Margin of Error. Our customer care representative is Haywood Jabuzoff. Our personal makeup artist is Bud Tugley. Our beatnik philosopher is Harry Reasoner. Our staff orthopedist is Denise Hoyt. <laughs> Our wardrobe advisor is Luke Howard Fitzhugh. Our PowerPoint producer is Boris Tadef. Our fleet maintenance manager is Renata Oil. Our director of Puzzler Answer Gift Reception is Donatella Du Bois. <laughs> Our Russian chauffeur is Peak Off and Drop Off. Guest accommodations are provided by the Horse Road Inn. And the head of our working mother support group is Erasmus B. Dragon. Our chief counsel from the law firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe is you, Louis Dewey, known to the down bundles with legs in Harvard Square as you eat Louis Dewey. Thanks so much for listening. We're Click and Clack, the Tappert Brothers. And remember this, if you do nothing else, don't drive like my brother. Yeah, don't drive like my brother. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. CDs of this show, which is number 707, along with Car Talk clothing, audio collections, and other Car Talk gifts, are available at 888-CAR-JUNK or by going to the Shameless Commerce Division of our website, cartalk.com. Also this week at cartalk.com, our new Call of the Week podcast. Yeah, every week our staff picks the one call they deem least off, <laughs> and they put it up as a free podcast, and you can sign up for weekly delivery right now over at cartalk.com. Not responsible for iPods that quit in protest after being <laughs> loaded with us. Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not.